Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Hello, everybody. How is your day going today? Welcome to episode number 11. And my name is Lisa Matthews. I'm a self-development coach for HSPs on a conscious journey of living life with the gifts of being highly sensitive. Today, I have a really special guest, and I really enjoy bringing in some outside perspective You all will hear plenty of my words and thoughts and background and training, and it's nice to bring on some other perspectives, some other lenses. And in today's episode, I have the wonderful Megan Martin on. We dive into a number of different topics today. We explore a little bit about sensory processing disorder, we explore around the quantum field, we talk a bit about her journey, of course, and how she came to be a biodynamic cranial sacral therapist. And for those that know me from before or know my work, you may know that is also my training as well. So we'll share a little bit of a story about how we met in this episode, which was rather synchronistic. Now, a few things before we dive in. We share a little bit more about BCST or biodynamic cranial cycle therapy in the episode, though I wanted to share a little bit of just a basic overview of it so that if you've never heard of it, you perhaps have a little bit better picture of what this is all about. It's a cross between bodywork and energy healing that supports the whole of you. The physical, emotional, energetic, spiritual, all the layers of our being, they're all being held and addressed within a cranial session. It can help bring the nervous system into greater balance, so the rest of your body is better able to self-heal or is better able to express its innate healing ability. People often experience pain relief, improved sleep, resolution of headaches, or really this hallmark feeling of really deep calm. It's a particular type of feeling that that I hear from a lot of clients saying, well, I don't know what you were actually doing, like you weren't moving my body, but I don't know when I have felt this relaxed or this calm It's almost like this meditative-like state that people end up in, and it can be really soothing. So, of course, I love receiving cranial, I love to give cranial, and everyone has, even though there's similarities, a different experience. So not everyone is going to experience it in the same way, and there's no right or wrong way of experiencing cranial but it can help us come back home into our bodies in a really simple, gentle way. 
There's a wide variety of reasons why people come for cranial, but essentially what it looks like is that you lie down generally fully clothed on a treatment table, one very similar or the same as a massage table. Though instead of actually physically moving tissues and interacting with the muscles in that way, a cranial sacral therapist will gently place their hands on various areas of your body. And what the cranial sacral therapist is doing is tuning in and encouraging your body to reveal what its healing priorities are. So we're letting the body set both the pace though sometimes we help support a person to slow down or to work with some of the charge that can show up in our nervous system. So we're just responsive to what is showing up in that moment. And we can help to support releases and readjustments, which are actually coming from your own body, from your own body's inner wisdom. So it's a bit of a paradigm shift as a therapy in the sense that while someone may come in for something specific, we're really listening to, of course, that area and what's showing up there, perhaps some of the patterns and some of the history, that we're also slowing down, tuning in, and trusting what the body is needing for healing in that moment by following the body's lead. So as a highly sensitive who often had, I'll be honest, I I had some negative reactions after sessions of various types of modalities that are much more common than biodynamic craniosacral because I felt like I just needed someone to hold the space for my body to really unwind itself and heal in in a really gentle yet powerful way. So a lot of typical treatments that some people say really love, I have personally found them to be a a little bit, hmm, how to put this, on the strong side for me on that physical level. And it often sends my body into a bit of a tension state. So I fully support people finding what works for them and when it works for them because different things work at at different times in our life. But long story short, biodynamic cranial sacrotherapy is really about listening to that inner wisdom in the body as well as listening to the field, the energetic fields that the body is immersed in every day, all day. A little more on that soon. And I really like to connect people with the sense of that on a very sensory level, on a level that we can feel and kind of name. So there is a lot more in cranial. I will most likely end up doing an episode on it a bit more in depth as there are many other layers to this. There's long tide, mid tide, there's different rhythms that we listen for in the body. But I wanted to give you a bit of a a brief introduction for it. And there are different flavors to craniosacral. There are different trainings, different avenues with it. And I really love them all. We will share a little bit more in our time together today, Megan and I, about cranial. 
So let me tell you a little bit more about our special guest today. Megan identifies as she, her, human, animal, quanta, and soul. Oh, and yes, she certainly identifies as an empath and a highly sensitive person, this being the midline of her existence of this particular incarnation, her greatest challenge earlier in life and now her greatest gift. Having been born during and within the visible trajectory of the 1976 total eclipse of the sun in Australia, she has embraced the guidance of this unique cosmic fingerprint her entire life, living the life of a curious and perpetual student of science and spirituality, researching and digging to understand and embody the connections between herself and the universe. Megan currently lives and works upon the blessed lands of the Seashell First Nation on the beautiful west coast of Turtle Island, Canada, in a little town called Half Moon Bay. She shares her weekly schedule between her 20-year-old career as a professional environmental specialist and project manager, as well as her beloved four-year-old biodynamic craniosacral therapy practice, and homeschooling her kids. It is an advocating for and facilitating a deeply empowered sense of self, place, and belonging within her own being, her children, and all folks she encounters that Megan finds her greatest, most soulful purpose. So it was with great pleasure that I got to sit down and interview Megan about some of her past and some of her present and some of her future shows up too. So you'll see what I mean in a little bit. And lastly, just before we shift into this interview and chat, just a quick announcement that every month I hold the Awakening HSP Circle. For highly sensitives that are exploring their spiritual nature, and wanting to connect with more like-hearted souls in a group. In April, the theme of our circle is Cycle Alchemy, and we'll be diving in on this way of reclaiming our menstrual cycle and how it can really influence and change every part of our lives. So if you are called to learn more about your moon time, and I spoke quite a bit more about it in episode 10, Feel free to have a listen to that if you're intrigued. And we'll be gathering on April 15th, which is a Thursday, at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. For those who are interested to learn to live in a deeper rhythm with their menstrual cycle, both throughout the entire month as well as their actual moon time, as well as their actual period, and how that can be its own spiritual practice. Well, For those that calls to, I invite you to save your spot. All the details are at combinationhealing.ca forward slash events. And I'll drop that link in the show notes as well. Okay, without further ado, let's head into our chat today with Megan Martin. 
So good to see you, Megan. It's been many years since I've seen your face, and I'm really excited to welcome you on to the podcast. Thanks for joining us all today. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. I'm really honored to be here, and it's wonderful to see your face, too. <laughs> it's been a long time. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll share how we met uh, in a little while because that kind of fits in into the, the whole journey here. Though I really want to start off because it's a, such a beautiful story. Will you share how your company came to be called One Feather? Yes. So uh, the story of the name One Feather... Uh, takes me back to 1999, uh, so that's quite some time ago. I was in Haida Gwaii uh, camping on Moresby Island, and I was gifted um, something very precious from a winged one. So the story goes, it was 7 o'clock in the morning, I was up with the birds, <laughs> Uh, on the beach, I was I spied a bald eagle up in a conifer, uh, right up, super high, and I had a silly little camera that I was trying to take a photo of it with. Uh, and he he shuffled his his feathers. Uh, I could see he was probably going to fly from the perch, and uh, sure enough, he did. And I kept my eyes on him. His his beautiful wingspan right above me, flying out to sea. And I couldn't believe my eyes. He dropped a feather from his wing. And so this large feather, the size of, you know, almost the size of my arm, half my arm. Forearm. <laughs> Forearm. Dances on the wind down towards the sand. So I stop watching the bird as he flies out to sea. And I lock eyes, like I keep my eyes on the feather and... I'm sort of dancing around as it's falling, and I caught it in my right hand. So from the bird to me, this gift. I love that story. So I would so appreciate you sharing your journey, both discovering craniosacrotherapy, especially the biodynamic flavor, because it feels like there's almost two parts to your journey with it, discovering it, and then your journey to becoming a therapist as well. So why don't we start at the beginning? How did you first actually hear about this very long name for a therapy? Biodynamic craniosacrotherapy. But if you hear us say BCST while you're listening, that's what we're referring to. But yeah, I'd love to hear what, how did it first enter your sphere? Sure, yeah. Uh, it it came into my world while I was searching for ways to increase the comfort, ease, and quality of my kids' lives. Um, at the time, they were five. And I have twin boys. At the time, they were five, and uh, they had been recently diagnosed with uh, sensory processing disorder. And so that's a name for... Um, you know, for a neurological uh, diverse profile, uh, but really, it it to me it means they have superpowers, which we all do, um, mm -hmm. and they just show up in a different way. So I was searching for ways to um, to ease their their 
their sense of being in their in themselves and I stumbled across other parents saying that um, for neurologically complex kiddos of theirs say with autism or ADHD or OCD or other um, manifestations of neurological uh, diversity Mm -hmm. they were experiencing um, really great benefits uh, taking their kiddos to uh, receive this this therapy biodynamic craniosacral therapy so I found somebody in the town we were living in and uh, we still visit her uh, to this day I Um, love that yeah she's a big part of of our family's lives she's a mentor of mine and um i still take my kids to see her and i still treat myself with at least a birthday annual full session with her every every birthday i mean if i need it in between that's great but uh, so it changed they were five it changed their lives um it was it was tangible i could touch the shift and the heaviness that lifted out of their systems just just disappeared into the into the air around us and I could see my little boy was able to feel ease and joy in his system that he 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 didn't really have much experience with prior to that because from what I understand it's of course we talk a lot about high sensitivity here on of course, yes. the highly sensitive soul podcast, but it's almost like the we're all on a, a continuum, and so there's say fifteen to twenty percent of the population are highly sensitive, and it's almost like continue on that spectrum of sensitivity with things getting louder, things getting brighter, emotional stimuli feeling more intense. Is that perhaps what their experience is like? Just almost bigger than the average person, even highly sensitive average. Exactly, that's exactly right. So human beings we are uh we are sensory beings that's that's uh, how we operate in the world we uh we take in the external senses uh or sensory input sorry uh we modulate it most of us uh, organize that input without any effort or it just happens automatically then there's others who who struggle to organize that that um that input and and may not respond appropriately because of their struggle to organize the sensory input. So that's when that struggle interferes with daily activities, then you'd be entering into the place, a realm where you might receive a diagnosis of this. And so sensory processing disorder is, uh, yes, we're all on a spectrum of how how sensitive we are these folks hear more see more feel more you're right colors are brighter uh things are louder um it really is a set it really is superpowers i I love that way of looking at it yeah and then i also think about their journey say through school and for those listening that are parents and see their kids and without we can open up a whole can of worms here but without um diving too far down the rabbit hole, I just want to acknowledge that I think people are starting to really see there is this variability in how people experience things in life. And that, of course, this starts as we're kids. So school where everyone's on the relatively set timetable in most schools, I know there's different types, 
and then expecting everyone to kind of respond the same way to the same experiences, it's like, well, we're all really different. So I know there's parents out there searching for answers. They're, they're doing exactly what you were, were doing in your exploration before. So I wonder if you had any words of just support or suggestion if people are, are kind of looking for ways to support their kids or if they had other things that maybe that you found were helpful and just if anything comes to mind when it came to supporting your kids that have these sensitivities. Mm-hmm. Well, they're... <sighs> The biggest uh, medicine for us all is to be acknowledged uh, Mm -hmm. where we are. So I would say that's, um, aside from the hows and the whats, uh, the first thing is to compassionately acknowledge with void of judgment um, what your child is experiencing and feeling through their unique messaging um and it it, when it's difficult it's because it doesn't maybe fit into what we're expecting to see but Mm -hmm. um that's just uh a that's just a distraction of like we're not like you said we're not all the same and uh, the light comes through in these magical ways from from these sensitive uh powerful beings um and when when they're little they they don't have ways to articulate so it comes out in you know it it presents in a in challenging ways um but the first place is to hold space for that um to just to acknowledge yeah uh and then it it gets easier from both sides um the little one feels held in 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 a non, in non-judgment and uh and there's there's lots of uh i mean <laughs> i'm biased biodynamic craniosacral therapy is uh is a excellent access point to all things um all things homeostasis within us so having that balance within us finding that sense of balance within us or bringing us back to that state of okayness even if it's not like well life Mm -hmm. isn't totally solved and whatever that looks like but yeah Mm -hmm. I had another question for you on that actually of did you have any any practices maybe that's too formal of a word any just really simple things you did with your kids that maybe you thought of as as self-care or as self-soothing self-calming not probably the languaging you'd use with a five-year-old, but were there things you do with your kids when they got home from school just to kind of release their experiences at the intensity of the day? Uh, definitely, first thing would be um, immersing in nature. Uh, yeah. It's such a simple, simple tool, but that's, and movement. So we would move together outside and and there that brings me to you know to another point of medicine is for us to remember that we're we are nature um Mm -hmm. we we're not we're not separate to go into nature we are actually nature embodied in that comes through and children children know that they don't 
they haven't received that separation so distinctly yet. So uh, mm -hmm. that's always been the greatest medicine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it can be it can be very healing and almost laughing because we slightly different years, but we had started our our journey in the city, and now we both live in quite a, a small small town. Not saying that that's the only way to connect to nature, or the only way to thrive. I think that's just where our paths really drew us to these little little mountain town for me, yeah, on the ocean for you, and. If it's all right, I might share our, our little story of how we met. Yeah. Because you were completely pivotal to changing my direction in life. So thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> it's an so, honor. Uh, we met at a time when I was probably about a year into medical leave, maybe a little bit more from nursing. So I'd been off hospital work, had a few little sort of odd job things I'd picked up, but my nervous system had become so burnt out. And I didn't know this at the time, but I'd been navigating a quite challenging spiritual awakening. And it was actually my GP that diagnosed me as having a spiritual crisis point, And I'd never heard the term and I'm very thankful to that doctor for bringing that in. So I had gone through some pretty deep and challenging experiences at that point in life with symptoms that couldn't really be explained by the, the medical world, though they could see something was, wasn't quite working right. Just a lot of pain and difficulty walking and not really, not really improving at the rate that I quote unquote should have. And, when I met Megan, I was at a point in life where I was really questioning, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing with work? I had completely different ideas on healing and what it means to really get in touch with our healing. I'd really explored this idea of what is this fix it type model where I go to someone and expect to be fixed. So I had a lot of different ideas that felt very new to me, but were by no means new as ideas in terms of healing and how much even, as you were alluding to before, naming before, holding space for someone and accepting them right, right where they are, not even trying to change anything in that moment. That can be incredibly, incredibly soothing and incredibly healing. So I was at this point in life of deep change. And I was already realizing that I don't think I will be going back to nursing long term, though I did for a few years. And I had seen this poster for something called craniosacral therapy, and it caught my eye. And it was one of those things that I like couldn't not walk or couldn't stop as I was walking by. So I went back, I looked at this poster and I'm like, hmm, I'm intrigued. I've heard about this craniosacral. And that was it. I kind of forgot about it. I saw they were doing some intro talk for some new training, and it kind of went in one ear out the other. What ended up happening was that a few, not even weeks later, it was probably within about a week, I went to a craft fair. It's Christmas time, love going to craft fairs, and one day they'll be back and we'll all celebrate in our own crafty ways. And I remember meeting Megan. 
and you had this incredible table full of your creations. And yeah, if you haven't seen Megan's style of art, there is lots of one feathers. Yes. <laughs> yes. Lots of feather cards. And, yeah. Uh, lots of driftwood wands. And, um, Which I still have. Uh, staffs with crystals embedded. and Yeah. Uh, I was kind of reorienting, steering the ship of our, the life, uh, or steering the ship of life a little bit differently, or it was steering me. And I ended up, uh, I wasn't just visiting the craft fair for fun. I was supporting my sister who was also there. So I was there all day. And I had so many great chats with this, this person I just met. And I thought, oh, this was fun. So we connected uh, in terms of exchange numbers and set up to go on a walk. And I thought, well, this, this should be a nice little, little chat. And so we tee up a time and we head out to the woods, of course, and we're chatting all about sensitivity and our nervous systems and healing and health. And then Megan drops this hilarious bomb on me saying, and next week I start craniosacral training. <laughs> and I just went, oh, okay, fine. I need to check this out more. And it wasn't just any type of training. There's a few different ones, but it was the specific for the specific poster that I'd just seen. And to put it into spec into perspective, like Vancouver has how many million people that live there? And there's around, like these are small class sizes. There's around six to 12 people in each class in two year um, programs. So the fact that I met Megan at that time, at that juncture, after I'd kind of been primed with looking at this, this poster, seeing this existed, and then I started to, after that, I just went to the intro talk and it was like they started to sum up these ideas that I started to have around health, around healing, around much more gentleness and not fixing so much as being with and trusting the inner wisdom of the body. It was like they were in my head. Jed Sumner gave that talk. He's the one of the head of the school. And it's like they were in my head. It's like they'd been in my journal and were articulating back to me these experiences. So the fact that you were already in that training, we'd gotten on so well. I was feeling this new change in life. So I signed up. I was like, all right, I'm in. I see that something is shifting me towards this. So thank you for being a key part of the puzzle of me becoming a craniosacral therapist. That story is uh, a perfect example of one of my mentors, uh, one of his quotes, y y everybody knows Rumi, right? Mm -hmm. So he tells us that the universe is rigged in our favor. So, uh, you know, this is a perfect example of it. Look at, look at the sequence of, of, of beautiful divine uh, intervention. <laughs> it's like little and, breadcrumbs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and I dove into the training as well because it, had changed my children's lives. So, yeah. you know, the modality had shifted m m the experience of my family so profoundly that just couldn't not be done. It, it couldn't. <laughs> it was so clear it, to it, you. It, it had to be. Yeah, it was the clearest uh, clarity, the next step. That was what, that was what I had to do. Um, and, you know, if you recall too, I was at the same time, mm -hmm. I was going through uh, quite a long-term um, sort of chronic health issue of my own and Western medicine took I went to the end of 
what they could do and they couldn't answer, couldn't provide any solution um, that made any sense to my anatomy or to my being. So I was dealing with what, uh, what's been diagnosed as vestibular visual mismatch. Mm-hmm. So it's an inner ear issue or inflammation uh, in the inner ear. It was on my left side uh, that would present in sort of daily visual and dizziness symptoms. So uh, sort of like a surreal visual scape instead of just seeing ordinary. It was all a little bit fuzzy, shaky, dreamlike almost. And this was going on for 2010 it began and I started my training in 2015. So I'd been I'd been sick, feeling unwell in a vi- in an invisible kind of way for years mm-hmm. and that's for I mean for anybody to uh, function when they're not well but you, from the outside you look really well. That's a mm-hmm. really tricky layer to have on top of of being unwell. Um you know, and the story, that journey, it it takes me back. The cl- the clarity is that I was ignoring my my spirit, my soul, my heart's calling. I was uh, in non congruence with my inner self, with my with my knowing, and so I my body was it had knocked, it had knocked a little harder. You know, it rang the doorbells, it, you know, and <laughs> so it, yeah. getting my attention. So our, our, our bodies are speaking to us and to acknowledge without judgment, what is it saying? So, and it was within my training of biodynamic craniosacral therapy that I began to heal. There was like this intersection of me making changes to become more congruent with my soul and also picking up all of this juicy knowledge and information about basically about our existence i felt like a kid in a candy shop the whole time i was learning that stuff and when we when we graduated it was like oh it's over <laughs> like i want to i want to learn more like and so but you never stop right i've never stopped learning i've got books and Oh for articles and you can see my bookcase behind me it's yeah overflowing to yeah. <laughs> extra shelves yeah and so and this kind of leads me to my excitement and my um student being a perpetual student uncovering the juicy realness of what it is we are um you know the biological the cellular the quantum what are we and then what is happening during for example biodynamic craniosacral i'm uh, a registered you know practitioner i've been practicing for four years i love it it is it is so um reciprocal in nature uh when i treat someone i feel like i've been treated like it's so beautiful so it has a name we went to school for it for two years you know that there's a container for that said okay you you're graduated now you can go here this is what you can do now but what is actually happening how is it that these humans are receiving and transforming from just this light touch how is their 
what is happening? How is their spiritual, emotional, physical well-being uh, being so profoundly transformed? And uh, so what is happening? So that's that's where I'm at. I've just been deep diving into the research of what is what is it? And so it's it's really it's all about our existence. Like I'm swimming in the quantum field of of being human, and uh, it's really exciting. Yeah. And was that some of the inspiration behind creating your homecoming handbook yes. for humans? I guess that sounds like there's a bit of a story behind that, and it's a th- two, three, four months. It's a container you're holding in short. Yeah, it's a 12-week online transformational learning journey, guided and supported. Uh, but yes, it, I, I'll tell you a little bit more about it, um, those the nuts and bolts details. But first, um, yes, that was very much the inspiration for my creating it, is trying to really articulate and uh, get to the bottom of it. And... And in a way that could be shareable, there's a lot of the, the information and the knowing and the science, and it's so dense. There's a lot of information, and it's so I've been sifting through and getting the the magic out. And so it was born out of me wanting to give my clients something more to take away with, so that they could feel that they could try to harness what they were feeling in my studio on in this work as we were working together try to package that and harness that and understand that so that they could be in that place while walking around and doing you know going to get milk or how can we bring that balanced feeling of that still stillness that depth of being alive and okay that people feel on the table and then shifts into their entire physiology how can we move that into our day and so it began as me wanting to you know package that and sort of hand it over like when my clients come and see me and I would say hey take this you can you can read this and and then it sort of shifted into well I've got this beautiful backyard and um you know this lovely space that I've created here and we're going to have this like little communal circle sharing. I'm going to guide my clients through this kind of homecoming embodiment idea of bringing this knowledge into our, into our being basically. And then COVID happened. So Ah. it it was, it was going to be an in-person thing like with like, and very much it began very much rooted in working in a different way with my one-on-one clients in larger groups. Then COVID happened. And um, so, you know, there's a big pause in my uh, capacity or sort of understanding what I was going to do with these ideas. And then it evolved into, well, just put it online. Okay. Um, so there's a whole, whole bunch of le- learning curve there of getting online, but um, yeah, it's, it's ready and it's, we're rolling out the beta journey uh, early April. Beautiful. I'm really excited, yeah. And I'm curious, I was mentioning before we hit record, there's this element of quantum that is popping up again and again and again. And in my world, just in terms of books that I 
end up borrowing from the library, say, not realizing fully where they're going and then having a chat with a friend yesterday. And it still, I think, can seem really out there for a lot of people. As soon as you bring in the word quantum, there's some that are really curious and want to learn more and some that are maybe a little less drawn, which both sides are beautiful and both sides are fine. But I'm just curious, and you don't have to just speak on the quantum side of things, but that seems like an element of the homecoming handbook that you're you're bringing to life here. So I'm wondering if you can offer a little sort of sneak peek, both the, the science-based sides and the more expansive, not that science isn't expansive, but multi-leveled, multi-layered aspect of this. Yeah, so um, one of the great scientists of our of our of history, Nikola Tesla, is uh, is one of my mentors, uh, <laughs> one of my teachers, and I turn to his work and his quotes quite often. Um, uh, it's it makes perfect sense to me. So, uh, <laughs> but something he said, one of his most famous quotes was, "If you want to find the secrets of the universe, think in terms of energy, frequency, and vibration." And then another mentor of mine, Rumi, I've mentioned him already. One of his beautiful quotes is this. When I sit in silent, when I, sorry, when I sit in silence, I fall into the place where everything is music. So from two very different worlds, a mystic from like 3000 BC or something, to 19th century scientist Tesla, they're both talking about the same base of our being. And so quantum, yeah, the word quantum has a bit of a, maybe it has, maybe it's been overused or it has a little bit of a a woo-woo notion to it or something, but it's not woo-woo. It's not it's it's actually the hard knots and bolts of what it is we are. It's not metaphysics. It's actually physics. It's not <laughs> it's not beyond physics. It's not something we can't but we we have seen it. We have proven it. We are oscillating wave and particle as is everything else. And physics, uh, sorry, quantum physics has also proven that the field governs the particle, not the other way around. That tells the field what to do. It's the field that creates the particle. So if we can somehow embrace that very foundational aspect of our existence, and then also hold it in in a co-creating space in that, oh, if the field, if the field governs the particle and then bringing in that other aspect, the other layer of our thoughts, our thinking, our ideas, our insights, they are creators of field. So what we pay attention to becomes it's not woo-woo, it's, it's, uh, it's what we are. So maybe find it, we could find a different word for it, quantum. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally like, just laughing. So I'm literally reading this last night, 
in a book called Mind to Matter. I don't know the author off the top of my head, but I'm, la- I'm just inwardly laughing here being like, the timing of this is, is about right. <laughs> and, and just to dive in briefly, when you're referred to particle just for uh, curiosity's sake, is that more the matter physical side? Yes. The field informs the physical. And it's like the field is creating the template for the physical then to yes. grow in our touch it, see it, or thought form yes. type. Morphogenic fields are actually, you could say, they equal thoughts. They are blueprints of physical things, manifestation of, from wave to particle. And I mean, everything that we see around us is, it's, it's, it's hard to wrap your head around it, but it's actually, it's actual fact that every single thing we see around us is oscillating faster than we can see between particle and wave. We can't see it, but it's, it, and we are mostly empty space. If we drill down and look to what is the anatomy of the atom of that, it's mostly empty space. Which my brain still gets boggled by. <laughs> there is this knowledge, there is, there is this information that we as humanity, as little people, two-leggeds with one heart, with one, you know, this beautiful chance to operate in this world and, and share our light. If we knew how our vehicle actually, like what it actually was and is and how it works, what, what, what could we do? The potential is bursting. And so I kept finding this, this, this information in my research and in my diving into well, what is going on. I was like, oh my God, every single piece, every single connection, it felt like a constellation basically. Like, oh, 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 oh yeah. And it all felt like a re-remembering. And that's the thing. This is a re-remembering. This is not something I've, you know, I'm not inventing. I'm just coalescing everything that, well, not everything, but, you know, I've coalesced some of, like, it's like an operating manual almost of the, what is it that we are and how can we have agency over that sustainably? Mm-hmm. And we, what we can learn from that is that it's all within us. Everything our genius physical body needs is within our genius physical body. It's within us. Um, sure, there's places we have to reach outside for, for assistance when, it, when it's needed. Absolutely. We're not in this alone. But there is an abundance of intrinsic health within our quantum biological uh, atomic selves. Like, and if we can, it's almost like I can imagine like when you parents, okay, I want to be a parent. Okay. Okay. Do you have the manual? You, like, do you understand what it is to be human? Cause there's, and it, I don't mean to be condes- condescending at all. I mean, we've all, this is a trajectory of humanity. We lived wonderful lives and invented things and done things on this planet with much less than 10% of the information we should have, I believe, like in our, mm. you know, and so if we had, if we, if we had a, a fully embodied sense of our power, 
what could we do with it? And how well could we feel? You know, because mm. our our um, our natural state is one of oneness, of onement, and when we diverge from that, which kind of chronically we sort of typically are, um, all kinds of problems can sneak in. So to come home, to come home to the oneness, to understand what that might look like where like where to to sit in that it's another layer of understanding of of what we are letting it come through (laughs) and uh, i'd love to hear thank you for sharing all of that thank you for sharing all the pieces and how how they've shown up in your life and now that you're starting to bring them together and i'm curious on the HSP side, on the highly sensitive side, what do you find is your greatest challenge as a highly sensitive? And what is your greatest gift? Well, I I do believe they're kind of one in the same. The greatest challenge was one that I felt in my youth, in my younger years. I don't, I don't see it as a challenge anymore. But I dissociated. I dissociated early as a young person because everything was in, as that word, non-congruence. So it was difficult to be dissociated for a couple decades. I think that was my, that's been my greatest challenge. Um, I could always, I could always, looking back, I can see I was sort of looking out, but I couldn't, I was sort of watching from inside, but it wasn't fully in my later years, I and through a lot of grace and grit and um, and work and evolution and uh, coming home, that same highly sensitive that same sensitivity is uh, I fully embrace it. I'm no longer dissociated. I'm com- fully in my body, and it's a superpower. It just is. I I just I. I <laughs> It's a it's a guide a guidepost for for everything I do. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful way of living to really honor and step into and acknowledge the the gifts of being highly sensitive. And I find it interesting as I ask this to every single person that is on the podcast. And so far I, I've recorded some other episodes before this that'll come out after so the sequencing for someone watching this be like oh she's only had two people but there's some more in the wings coming so far everyone has answered saying that both the challenge and the gift are are essentially two sides of the same coin Mm -hmm. and i love that i think that's really brings to light part of our journey in life as a highly sensitive that what starts as as painful, as challenging, as being disconnected from our ourselves and our our spiritual selves, as well as our physical selves, and all the layers in between. Later in life, through exploration, through our journey, starts to really become our our gifts, and I love that. So thank you for sharing that. And 
For those that want to connect with you or learn more about the Homecoming Handbook for Humans, it starts at the beginning of April, if I am not mistaken. Can you tell us your website, any socials, just ways people can find you? Yeah, sure. So my website is uh, onefeatherhealing.com and there's info about my biodynamic craniosacral practice on there and there's info about the, the handbook. And yes, registration is open and we begin the 12-week journey on April 2nd. And uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, One Feather Healing and Homecoming and Facebook for now, the same, One Feather, One Feather Healing and Homecoming. Nice. So if something's lighting up in you to learn more, if you're intrigued, if you are wanting to explore even just this other way of looking at ourselves beyond our physical beings. You've been intrigued on the energy side of things, but wanted to know a little bit more of the science. It sounds like a wonderful place to find out more. So be sure to head on over to connect with Megan for those this calls to. And for now, I would send you a big hug. Well, I can send you a big hug. <laughs> we are just a few kilometers away from each other many hours but it's been wonderful to spend some time with you and thanks so much for joining us on the highly sensitive soul podcast i'm really grateful thank you for having me lisa it's been a lot of fun i hope you enjoyed today's episode and that perhaps you learned a few new things maybe even just a bit of an intro into a different way of looking at the world I'll put all the links mentioned in the show notes and as a little extra for the book I mentioned, Mind to Matter, which I'm really enjoying, the author is Dawson Church. I didn't have it in my head in the interview, though I wanted to include that. Always know you're welcome to rate, review, and leave feedback on the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. For those that are highly sensitive and would like some self-calming tools, some really simple, easy-to-access practices to help soothe your spirit and nourish your nervous system, I have a little free gift for you that you can access by heading to bit.ly forward slash soothe your spirit. So make sure to check those out if you'd like to expand your toolbox a little bit more. Lastly, a little reminder that April's Awakening HSP Circle is diving into moon time menstruation and cycle alchemy. There's more info on my website for that, combinationhealing.ca forward slash events, and you can read more and save your spot for those this calls to. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day, and until next time, bye for now.